0: You're listening to a Sin Media Podcast.
1: Made by young people for young people.
0: Welcome to Sweet Talk. This week, I will be your host. My name is Matt, and I have the privilege of being joined by Sam Cummins, the lead singer of experimental post-punk outfit Hooper Crescent, who have just released their debut album *Object Permanence* through Spoil Sport Records, which is our feature local record of the week. So, firstly, before getting into all the
1: music, congrats,
0: and uh, how's the the lockdown launch been
1: going? <laughs> Thanks, Matt. Um, yeah, it's been pretty weird. It's been a um... A mixture of feelings though I think at first I thought it was kind of disappointing to to not be able to launch the record properly and play shows and kind of build off of the momentum of the release to to play some live gigs but in a way it's also just been a nice distraction from the chaos of the world and the pandemic and stuff it's been nice to kind of have something to focus on and and have a sort of tangible project I guess to work on as a distraction
0: yeah, for sure. I feel like music's been just like a consistent distraction for everybody, whether they make it or or listen to it really through everything that's going on.
1: Yeah, definitely. Definitely.
0: Um, so before we delve into the tracks of the record, which is, of course, what we do here on Sweet Talks, um, I'm actually a huge fan of the album cover and the title. Um, and to me, Object Permanence almost seems kind of like like a piss take of a reminder to people to not be so self-centered and to be conscious of life, like existing and continuing on when you're not around. Um, I was wondering what it means to you and how you feel it ties in with the, uh, the themes explored throughout the record.
1: Well, I really like that interpretation. I hadn't heard that before <laughs> and I hadn't thought about that before. That's really interesting. Um, yeah, to me, it was a title that we came to really late in the process. It was probably the last thing that we locked in for the album. And it was just a term that I guess came to me actually kind of inspired by my, um, sister's baby, uh, my nephew who, um, is one now but a few months ago was I guess kind of at that stage where humans start to develop object permanence and started to think about that term and that concept and really liked the title and then I guess started to relate it to some of the themes of the record around memory and around um, I guess sort of transient objects or transient um, moments in your life that you think you've sort of left behind but still have an effect on your day-to-day life or your conscious or unconscious mind or um, a whole bunch of things that i think manifest themselves on on the record and in the songs so i guess the title at first was just kind of like a style over substance thing i just loved the way it sounded and the way, the way it looked but then sort of started to look for more meaning and deeper meaning and started to kind of connect the dots i guess between the songs and the lyrics and, and that term
0: Right. Yeah. No, I figured it might have came together like that, and I like that throughout the album. It seems like deliberately somewhat cryptic to an extent. It's not like you can look through the tracklist at the titles and be like, "Okay, I know what this album's about," sort of thing. Um, and while I grab moments of you know reflecting on memory and permanence and cynicism, anti-capitalism and things like that, I feel like there's still a lot of things that I don't know about. Um, so, firstly, I guess we'll start with Bible studies, which makes sense as the first record on the first track on the record. Um, which introduces the listener to a kind of off kilter angular guitars and quirky abstract songwriting, which continues throughout the album. Um, I really just take notice of like the refrain of indifferent situations. I feel afraid. And then the, the hook of, I lost my cool in Bible studies, um, which kind of like gives me the idea, of, cause it's quite an anxious track of being like uncomfortable in a situation that conflicts with what, you know, you're with conflicts with who you are and wanting to like escape that. Um, I was wondering if I'm kind of close or if there was a specific experience that inspired the song and the title.
1: Yeah, I think that the word escape is really spot on. Actually, This this was one that was definitely on the sort of more cryptic side of things, which you referenced before, and I am a person who loves cryptic and more oblique lyrics Mm. and lyrics that at first don't really seem to make a lot of sense and then you can sort of pick them apart and start to find meaning for yourself or for the listener and I like to kind of take that approach even with our songwriting sort of have sort of mysteries for ourselves to kind of figure out as well and I guess the kind of phrase bible studies or I lost my cool in bible studies which you just referenced was just something that I guess came to me when we were trying to like figure out the the melody of the chorus for the song and so that phrase was so captivating to me and then again you sort of to work backwards to try and figure out what the meaning was. And I think that um, where we sort of landed is that, yeah, it is a sort of form of escapism. I think Bible studies being this kind of metaphor or allegory or whatever for a situation that maybe you don't feel that comfortable in. And I guess a lot of people who were raised religious, and I actually wasn't really ra- raised religious, so I can't necessarily <laughs> speak to that firsthand. But I guess, you know, the idea of having to go to something like Bible studies or Sunday school or something and feeling really uncomfortable with that or just trying to escape that kind of like oppressive environment. Um, I guess those those are the themes that run through the song and Bible studies, I guess, became kind of a, a metaphor for breaking free of those oppressive environments.
0: Yeah, so then after that, the record has a number of songs that start to kind of highlight the band's um, experimental edge to a degree, um, which comes through really strongly on constant fascination with the kind of off-kilter, like, slightly unsettling guitar tones that kind of come through throughout the album. They remind me of like almost like outsider artists like The Slits or Jandek or something like that. Um, and then you get this kind of rising chord progressions and wild yelps that obviously called David Byrne or Ariel Pink or Parquet Courts or something like that. Um, And I guess just after listening to a lot of (laughs) like guitar led local gig bands or whatever, um, it can get a little fatiguing. So it's really nice to hear an album that has so many like weird eccentricities to, to grab onto Um, like specifically on Constant Fascination. I'd like to know like what kind of influences you feel brought that track to life or, or just the album in general.
1: Yeah, I really like your reference to Jandek and the Slits. I hadn't actually necessarily made that connection myself, but yeah, I love both of those artists. And yeah, the Slits in particular, I remember just falling in love with them when I first heard them. And I love their use of guitar and kind of haphazard instrumentation. And I guess that's something that I definitely want to bring to our songs. Um, I think in some ways, I've spoken about this a little bit before in some of the press around the album, but you know i think that like the traditional kind of guitar rock band format in a way is a little bit passe these days and i agree with you like you know as a listener to that sort of music sometimes i do get a bit fatigued with the same sorts of sounds and song structures that that sort of setup can inspire so whilst that that is the setup of our band and that, you know the guitar is an instrument that i've played for a long time and is really the only instrument i can play um it has meant that those songs are kind of based in guitars, but at the same time, I think I feel some pressure or at least I put pressure on myself to try and make things as interesting as possible and to try and kind of subvert the traditional tropes of that instrument. So um, yeah, it's, it's sort of a conscious thing, you know, looking at a band like the slits, it was probably a bit more unconscious for them. They were just kind of picking up instruments and playing them and kind of like leaning into the amateurism of those instruments. And to a degree, that's what we do, but I guess there is a kind of conscious thing that we, try and do which is to subvert some of those instruments too
0: guess that brings us to the lead single which was logos um which has quite an accessible compared to a lot of it like jangle pop sort of build that leads to a really satisfying conclusion um and lyrically what stands out to me within it is the kind of like say what you want i don't believe it which um i kind of feel represents a distrust of people's characters and kind of the facade that people put on which is then you know um related to the logos in doing so kind of critiquing capitalism and things like that in the process um, so what did you have in mind specifically when you were writing that song and how did it all kind of piece together
1: yeah i think that's another really good interpretation actually that yeah the ending i think sums it up um this idea that we kind of put on these logos or like have these sort of signifiers in the way we dress or the way we act um, that are inauthentic in some way so i guess that line of i don't believe it um, yeah suggests that someone is putting on a front or a facade, and so often those things are tied to things like consumerism or or capitalism and and neoliberalism too I think, so it was sort of yeah hopefully a critique of those sort of sort of bigger political themes, but kind of just looking at the way we all adopt those um those facades uh you know myself included it 's so hard to ignore and avoid those things, so just I guess kind of critiquing the way that we adopt those things as people.
0: Mm. Yeah. And did you guys as a band ever discuss what sort of logo would represent you?
1: (laughs) No, we haven't actually had that discussion. We rarely sort of talk about the themes and lyrics of, of the songs. And that's probably, you know, something that I (laughs) actively try, try to avoid talking about sometimes. So it's been interesting doing interviews for the album because I've sort of had to think about that stuff more deeply. Mm. Um, But, yeah, no, we haven't discussed what logo we would be. Um, but maybe that's, yeah, that's something I'll, I'll bring up at the next uh, virtual band practice and we can <laughs> come up with some, some ideas. Yeah, I'd appreciate an update on that. <laughs> <laughs> See what you want.
0: And then the track, I Fell Black Backwards, we haven't mentioned yet, actually, um, which I, have, I find really interesting as well. Um, it has a lot of like, interesting time signature kind of changes and vocal flourishes. Um, and it's the longest track on the album, so you guys really kind of let it flow naturally. Um, kind of feels quite jam-like in a sense. Um, and I read that you transformed a home, a vacant home in lean, um, into a makeshift studio to record the album. Um, do you think that the environment you ended up creating the music within impacted the music that you guys were making?
1: Yeah, I reckon for sure. Like that was a really fun weekend recording and Yeah, we literally just turned this old farmhouse into a makeshift studio and, um, you know, it was sort of our home for a few days. And and that was really nice because we could just kind of settle into the the house and kind of record when we were ready to record. And we were really um, wanting to record every song live as well. So the kind of foundations of the track that you hear are exactly how we played them in the house. And it was cool because we were just all in different rooms in the house recording out parts. So we couldn't really see each other, Mm -hmm. Um, but we were all playing together. And so, yeah, undoubtedly, I'm sure the, um, the environment and the house and, and the weekend that we spent there had an effect on the mood and the sound of the record, for sure. Um, I can't necessarily point to, like, how it affected it or how it changed the, the mood of the, the songs, but I, I reckon, for sure, we were definitely, you know, feeling relaxed and loose and, um, yeah, feeling, you know, those songs, in some cases, I think I felt backwards, we only kind of, we probably did that song in a few takes, Maybe two or three takes. So, um, yeah, what you hear on the record, particularly with that song, uh, was definitely just like us just getting together and playing the song in, in one or two takes.
0: all the way to the last track which is strike like gold um which has kind of like hints of this like the songwriting kind of reminds me a little bit of Marky smith from the fall and this kind of like playfully negative outlook again sort of taking the piss out of capitalism and corporations but i think just throughout the album there's kind of an interesting balance between like um like an appropriate amount of cynicism and negativity given the state of the world but with like a layer of lightheartedness and a sense of humor that kind of comes through is that a balance you're careful with or conscious of, or is that just kind of your natural songwriting?
1: That's a good question. Before I answer that, I'd want to say that you have nailed the analysis because I've got a friend who, uh, the, the two of us share a love of the fall and Markie Smith. And I remember okay. when he first heard strike like gold at a show, he came up to me. He was like, Oh, you've just like, you've just written like a fall song. And I, Yes, I hadn't really thought about it, but yeah, there's definitely some fall tropes in there for sure. Um, so it's nice that you've picked up on that. Um, but sorry, I was completely preoccupied with the with the fall reference. What was the, what was the end of the question?
0: Um, no, I was just asking if the, the balance between um, like negativity and cynicism, but also with like lightheartedness and humour, was something you were aware of and did deliberately. Were you deliberately ripping off Marky Smith? Is essentially what I'm saying.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's definitely yeah deep in my veins some you know, fall influences that that trickle out in probably all my songs. But um <laughs> yeah, there's I reckon that balance is so important. And especially, I don't know, I guess cause we're a pretty new band and this is our first record. You know, I would love to make a really kind of out there experimental record that doesn't even worry too much about sort of pop um pop influences or, you know, pop hooks or whatever. But at the same time, I love records and songs that combine both of those worlds. And I think that you know one day we'll make potentially a really experimental record that just leans into those things but for now and for our first record i think that having that balance is really important and 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 also you know those are the songs that i always go back to and the songs that i love the most that can combine those two worlds so so seamlessly and i hope that we've sort of done something like that on that record on on our record where we have combined those two worlds and you know you can sort of n- you can recognize the kind of experimental nature of it, but also just enjoy the rhythms or the pop hooks for what they are. Strike like gold.
0: So with Strike Like Gold, other than the like really satisfying outro, which is kind of like charging off into the distance, um, why did you feel it was the song to end on? Or why did you as a band feel it was the song to end on?
1: Probably because it it sounds so different to the rest of the record. And mm. with, in sequencing the album, we found it really difficult to figure out where that song should go. And to me, I actually kind of wanted to make that a single because I really love the song and I think that it's, it is really striking, hopefully, and and sort of, um, yeah, it just has this kind of like strange dissonance that I love so much. Um, but yeah, probably, probably wasn't going to fly as a single. So we had to sort of make it stand out in another way. And by putting it at the end, I feel like maybe it, yeah, it makes a statement. It sort of deviates from the rest of the album and maybe hints at, uh, you know, the direction of where the band's going now, potentially, or just sort of hints at. I guess, a point of difference. And I always like closing tracks that make those sort of definitive statements. So it felt like an appropriate way to end the album. Yeah,
0: no, 100% makes sense. And yeah, it got me very excited to see what happens next with the band. I don't know when or (laughs) what that's going to sound like, but, you know, exciting.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I know. Yeah, who knows when we're going to be able to play shows. We definitely won't be doing any like virtual launches or anything. I think the music doesn't really work in that setting. So I think we'll have to wait until we can get together and play live at a, at a show. But, um, yeah, really excited to, to play the songs when we can.
0: Yeah. Well, I will be there. I will be there. (laughs) Um, I guess that pretty much wraps it all up. So yeah, thank you for stopping by and having this chat. It was actually really great.
1: Oh, thanks Matt. Yeah. Really appreciate it. Loved, loved how deep you got on the analysis.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No worries at all. You too. (laughs) So, yeah, it's been a pleasure. Um, I've been your host, Matt. Thanks for listening to Sweet Talk with Hooper Crescent on Sunday Sweets.